Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion team. This is Horsing Around with Pete Fairbanks. Giving my strong yet unresearched opinions is something that I excel at. Presented by the original Louisiana brand hot sauce. You know, you're getting me and you. A lot of me, though, because I really like to talk. Now, here's your host. I have no idea how to open this thing. Well, welcome to another edition of Horsing Around. Pete's got someone who I don't know yet that well, but I've heard about her. So, Pete, why don't you provide the introductions of your special guest today. Yeah, so this um, is Tracy Fober, the formerly my wife's trainer, now mine. I guess trainer is an okay word to use. I don't really know. Uh, mm. I don't really have a better one. You can say strength coach. Strength coach, all-in-one. Physical therapist, strength therapist. coach. Your trainer, that encompasses all of those, right? Well, we kind of, we kind of like to say that like, Martha has a trainer. Okay, okay. Pete Pete has a strength coach. Okay, so we'll go strength coach and <laughs> PT for the off seasons. Um, yeah. yeah, so Tracy was my wife's trainer in high school when she played volleyball. And then did, did you work with her at all when she was at Mizzou over the summers or anything when she was back? Or was she? Sure, yeah. We, we tried to help, you know, shore up any mm-hmm. any anything that needed to be worked on when she was at home and just gave her a place to, to come, come talk about how, how the season was going, but, but do the work she needed to do, of course. Yeah. Right. So, and then from there, um, you ended up in park city with the U S ski and snowboard team. U.S. Ski and snowboard. Yeah. So I, I was a physical therapist and strength coach in St. Louis. I had my own facility, Neil, a small facility and, um, worked primarily with, uh, I had this little niche practice of working with tall athletes. So I had a lot of kids who were six, five and above, a lot of volleyball and basketball athletes. Um, many of them Pete played against in high school. Um, I didn't know him then. And um, in 2014, I had the opportunity to go to Park City, Utah, and then join the high performance staff at US Ski and Snowboard. And so there I got to walk, work with a completely different group of people. And those were, um, I was the strength coach for the snowboard half pipe and the snowboard slope style teams. And then I also acted as a rehab strength coach. So those athletes who were back home in park city, not traveling with their teams, I would kind of bridge the gap between the the in-house therapists and their strength coaches and kind of work them through that fit, that kind of awkward phase between the 
the really acute therapy, and then back to full on return to competition uh, training and support. So I kind of do both things. There aren't a whole lot of people who do the physical therapy and then also do the higher level uh, athlete support, athletic athletic development. Um, so that was cool. And then did that for four years and then opened my own practice in Park City and had that for, for two years. And that's, and then the pandemic hit. Now I'm in Cleveland. My, my husband and I are kind of taking a little break from life and, and um, working for someone else. And then uh, Pete and Lydia called me in, I guess, March of 2020. So that's, that's when I started working with Pete from a distance. I've never actually seen him in person. Yes. Our wow. Yeah. Got to happen. It will actually be happening yeah. in about four days when we I went, head back to St. Pete. Trace will be down there. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So on practice in Utah is kind of, I think it was kind of towards the end of that, that we got um, set up through lit. Cause I, I, you know, obviously I'm thinking at the start, uh, so we get back from spring training and I'm like, well, I don't know what to do with myself right now. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to have gym access. I am, you know, need to figure out what I'm going to do, how I'm going to do it. Um, and Lid was like, well, why don't you talk to Tracy? So we ended up on a FaceTime sometime in middle of March of last year. And I said, I need whatever you got, basically. And it more or less was, um, you know, let me see what, you know, what we're doing and how it is, is similar, different to what, you know, we've done in the past in the, in the kind of off-season strength and conditioning side of things. Um, I think you, you'd kind of stalked me a little bit on little bit. I, Instagram. I, and so, so you knew you knew had an idea. idea. I had an idea of what all, um, you know, she was about and how that, you know, was, was a little a bit of a, a different differentiation from what, you know, you typically see in, you know, the baseball strength world, which is very, I wouldn't say very, but it's pretty, you know, it's pretty select in terms of, uh, of there's a way that everybody thinks it should be done in, you know, that in the off season baseball world and even the in season um, side of things. And so it, it was nice to see a different side of, you know, your strength training and movement and just general physical preparation and a different approach to that. And I, you know, really liked it and have embraced it since then. Um, and I am very glad that, you know, Lit had a, a niche trainer in high school yeah. out so far. And, and it's, um, you know, we really had to think outside the box starting in March because nobody could use facilities for a while. And how do you, how do you support someone at a high level when they're working out in their mother-in-law's cul-de-sac with the dog and the baby and everybody else <laughs> watching and tagging along? How do we, how do we do this? It takes, uh, you got, it takes a different mindset, a different approach and, and can we do it with these tools that are maybe a little bit unconventional, not the traditional gym setup? Mm -hmm. Can we still accomplish what we need to accomplish so that whenever they get called back, they'll be ready? And, you know, so we had no idea what we were going to face. And we just kind of had to roll with it and learn about each other along the way. And, and really, you know, my goal is to support him. He's, he's an adult, he's an accomplished professional athlete. And so I meet him where he is and then help him get 
to where he needs to be to be successful and be healthy and yet, you know, be this, you know, really fantastic explosive person who's highly specialized, but still an athlete. He's not like this, you know, alien, but he's, he's still an athlete, right? A little odd sometimes, but still an athlete. <laughs> Very fair statement. Yeah. And I think that was the biggest, um, you know, kind of what we, where we went with it, it was that you are still, you know, even though, you know, a lot of the things you see today is, is almost, well, you can't do this and you shouldn't do that. And you should stay away from these positions. And, you know, for us, it was more of, well, you know, you're going to be in similar positions when you're, when you're actually throwing and when you're, you know, you're, you're being athletic, you know, you're not going to try and, you know, treat the body as this fragile, you know, instrument. And I actually saw a, a, it was either a tweet or a screenshot of a tweet that was basically summarizing that the body will do whatever you train it to do. So why treat it, you know, like it's, it's fragile. It's not, it, it's something that's capable of incredible things. And so our job is to, you know, continue to push that limit and see what it can actually be capable of. So how different is the training? All right. So you're training him during the pandemic when you don't know when you're coming back, but then you keep training him this past off season, right? When mm -hmm. he's on his, like when, and you're also doing it remotely. Mm -hmm. how, how did you do that? And does his sarcasm come through remotely that it, it would more so in person? So we do it through, he sends me some video of what's going on. And, and a lot of times it's real time. We're interacting real time when he's actually training. And sometimes he has a partner in crime and that could be Josh or Lydia um, helping out. And um, I would basically write, write the workouts. He would give me some feedback and, and we're planning, you know, we know when he's supposed to go back. So we're planning like 12 weeks out, but, but basically we're going week to week and we're, we're ramping up um, and we're, we, we actually do it through, we do it through Instagram and we just send things back and forth and that makes it, that makes it simple. Um, and then we reassess every, every weekend and then I kind of replan it out and that's, that's kind of how that goes. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, if I can, if I can jump, yeah, it was, it's easy. We kind of got into a good rhythm with it actually during, you know, 2020 and that summer of, you know, I can basically film everything I'm doing and send that over and provided, you know, Tracy's not busy um, doing other things, which, you know, is part of the game when you're, when you're training remotely, you'll be able to, there's, there's that feedback that's pretty, um, you know, but the back and forth is almost like you're there, obviously. Yeah. You know, you're still watching something that's recorded, so you're not getting your full that full the fullest right. uh, feedback. But for the most part, I feel like you know that that's about as good as we could make it happen yeah. with the current arrangements of things. Yeah. And he he's old enough and mature enough to give me the information that I need. And but seeing him is kind of crucial. Like like I I need to see you do this so we can make an assessment about how much of it we need to do, or maybe we don't need to do it. Um, and I, I need that communication from him. That's, that's essential. I, I don't typically work with people that I haven't seen eyes on, you know, 
do I do a, like a thorough evaluation of people I typically work with and um, but this was a special case and and it it takes someone who who has a maturity to really approach it you know in a in a serious way because the dosing of exercise matters you can hurt people with it and or you could totally not help them it could be useless <laughs> so so it, it takes um, a special relationship to kind of really make it work and, and to have it, you know, any, he, he has to be upfront with me with like, like this is not going well, or we need to change this, or this is good. Let's, let's keep going along this on this line. And I feel like this is, this is really beneficial for me. So, and I give him, you know, he has to have agency and, and ownership of this process. Yeah. I, I would say that having, you know, having that going back and forth with it almost, you know, on not necessarily like a FaceTime, but you're going back and forth with, you know, video and conversation as it's happening. Um, you know, I, I think that it does take you have to be willing to, you know, step into a different little bit of a routine when you're, you know, working out or going throughout um, the stuff that you need to do. But, you know, if you are willing to, to do that and to take it seriously and to try and, you know, figure out what what and why things need to happen. I think that you're, you can set yourself up to succeed, even though it's a bit of an unorthodox yeah. um, kind of situation. And it, you know, when I, when I heard that he was, after you guys got engaged and married and like, and then Lydia told me, you know, he's, he's still trying to make this after two surgeries. And like, this is, this is an interesting person to persevere through all of this and then to go, and be meticulous and, and um, patient enough to change your mechanics. That's, that's pretty impressive. And then to, to find success with it, that's, that's kind of, that's a special person that, to be able to, to manage that because there are so many people who just, they, they break and then they fall by the wayside and um, they, they don't reach their goals. And so, well, okay, this guy's, He's he he's an he must be an interesting guy because he's he's managed to make it this far in spite of mm -hmm. the, cha the challenges he's had um, with the rehabs and surgeries. Yeah, I, I would say that at some point everybody does break. You can't like now you saw it with your your skiers and snow. Like everybody at some point breaks. It, it's part of the game when you're in, of athletics. Is that there's no there? I, I don't think I've ever met or played with anybody that hasn't had some sort of, whether it's big, small, you know, bones, soft tissue, whatever, whatever it is, there's always going to be something that eventually gets overworked and breaks. And so from there, it's how do you, do you need, is it something that, you know, you need to change that, that, that there's something inherently like a pattern that's inherently wrong. That's going to, that has set you up to that point. Or is there, you know, was it just a freak thing? And then it, it's how do we treat that? And how do we go about getting back to that mindset of, of still, you know, treating yourself as, as an athlete and you're not gonna, you know, if you, you, if you like overstress it coming back, or if you, you know, you can, you can do everything that you've done before. You just have to figure out the best way to get back into that. And I'm sure that you did a lot of that with like your return to sports stuff. Um, like with, you know, you have steer snowboarders who are hurt. And, and there's obviously, how is that different in terms of getting 
them back with their, obviously, I mean, we've talked, there's, you've dealt with numerous different athletes, sports, headspaces, whatever it is. How is it different, you know, through the, if you notice any like differences or similarities through those athletes as they're coming back in that return to sport capacity? Well, I, I think it's the successful return to sports are, are where you kind of, you, you got to have the, the athlete has to trust the process and trust the people they're working with. Mm-hmm. And the expectations have to be reasonably set right up front. The, the, the worst thing that can happen is when somebody in the process, a coach, a physician, a, or so, somebody says, a parent, somebody says, oh, you'll be back in X number of months. And then that doesn't happen. And, and that, that is devastating. And, and so you never know, like, we don't like to have these set timelines. We like to, you know, progress things by criteria. Like you meet this criteria. Okay. Now we can go on to here, but the world of sport is, you know, we, we have, we have these, these competition schedules and championships and Olympics and world series and all these things. And so that really constrains you sometimes, but so, so having a reasonable expectation. And then for some people, like having the luxury of a, of a long timeline, like if, so say I I worked with a, an Alpine ski racer, Brian Cochran Siegel, uh, he was a junior world champion in 2011, 12, something like that. He had two major knee injuries, a huge ACL injury, and then a terrible bone bruise, hurt it again. And the bone bruise basically like destroys the cartilage in the knee. And you can repair the ACL all you want, but if that cartilage goes, there's no alpine ski racer who can tolerate those forces if their cartilage is gone. So he had a a procedure where they actually transplanted cadaver cartilage and meniscus into the knee. Nobody had ever done this. We had no idea what was going to happen, but his mom was an Olympic gold medalist. He was a very patient, mature athlete. And basically he had, he had two years to come back and nobody rushed him. And he made the Olympic team in 2018. And then he was, um, he was our highest placing downhill Alp, men's downhill skier, speed skier this year until he had a he had a crash and he um, he hurt his neck. He's okay, but but he has continued to improve and win. He had his first podium this year. But a lot of times, athletes they don't get that chance. Like you know, in baseball, the window of opportunity is sometimes really small. And if you don't, if you aren't successful at 20, very few people are going to be 27, 28, 29, and still be given any opportunity, especially if they have an injury history. I mean, it's rare. We don't, we don't allow, we like early matures and we like early success. We tend to not give later maturing people or those people who, who have an injury history, but who are really persistent and really just gutsy and, and they, they want it and they're smart about it. 
we don't give them a chance a lot of times. So. so those are the things that in a return to sport that you, you really need. And you need, you need some luck and you hope that the schedule is cooperative, that you don't have this like, well, I got to get back. It's only six months in the Olympics, but I've torn my ACL and I've torn my Achilles. And that's tough. Like, to survive that. And certainly to thrive in that situation, that's really tough. Your Tampa Bay Rays have called up yet another talented prospect. And this one might be the hottest of them all. It's the Louisiana brand hot sauce, the new official hot sauce of the Tampa Bay Rays. Made right in the heart of Louisiana since 1928, the original Louisiana brand hot sauce adds just the right amount of pop to all kinds of meals, from wings and barbecue to eggs and popcorn. The original Louisiana brand hot sauce. Bring the heat. Right. Yeah. Especially so in our, our world. Obviously, a little. There's not like one huge thing every four years that you're right. hurt towards the end of that. Well, uh, you're most likely going to miss what you've been working for, right? And that, that's yeah. Just the cycle of athletics obviously becomes tough to then cycle back for that next four years afterwards and still feel like right. you're right. at a level where you know in, in the seasonal sport, I know you hurt for you miss a year okay, you know, that next season is going to start on April. So like in my case, I knew that, you know, I get hurt in 17. I miss all of 18, but I know I'm showing up March 1st, mm-hmm. early spring training. And that's my, that's my date. I know that I have basically 20 months to mm-hmm. feel like I'm at my best again. Yeah. And that that's essential. I think we, we try and push, we push the timelines really hard mm-hmm. and that's, that's a challenge. And then, you know, to, to have a team, have a university or a professional organization that really believes in you and invests in you over the long term, that's super important. Like, it seems like you found a good niche with the Rays. They appreciate your strengths. And then we got to nurture that. We got to, like, b- build that versus, oh, you get hurt. We're going to discard you. Next next guy up, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is. Baseball is a meat grinder, however. It yeah. is. Yeah. It is. A war of attrition to play. War of attrition is a good word. There are a lot of games and shoulders and elbows and hips and knees can only take so much pounding. So it it is, I think that this is, that's where, how much, like how much is your off season actually helping you? You know, are you just wearing and tearing on, you know, those joints again, or are you, you know, improving the quality of the tissue that, that is going to protect them when you're going through these. Right. Um, you know, extreme positions, which yeah. baseball is, this is, I'm, I would say probably the first base specific baseball athlete that you've worked with. I know mm-hmm. we've got basketball, volleyball. We talked about skiing, snowboard a little bit. Um, how, like, what if you're so of, you know, of what you take and what you put into everything? Cause I know I, from seeing, from talking to you, that there are some things that kind of transcend sport, spe- sport specificity. I don't know. I don't think that's a word, but being sport, you know, sport specific stuff that everybody, you know, we got to be sport specific, all that crap. Um, what, what do you think transcends that in terms, in terms of just general athletic preparation? You know, what if, what, no matter the population, what are you, what are we working with? And, you know, if I'm a basketball player, you know, if I'm a skier, if I'm a golfer, I know you worked with a golfer mm-hmm. out in um, on Park City. 
So there's stuff like what what are we working with? No matter what, if you're a rotational, if it's more you know linear, what what has to be something that transcends population in terms of movements, exercises, et cetera. So, so we like to talk in terms of um, physical literacy and movement competencies. So there's like this ABCs of, of training, ABCs of movement that most ground-based people and even aquatic people do, particularly in their, in their supportive training. So we, we, we want to use those tools and we want to make sure that, that the athletes are, it's not exercise specific, the exercises bring in the, the movements mm-hmm. that we want to do. And we know that certain, we, we think certain movements help create um, tissue, you know, ligament, tendon resilience. And we want to, we, we want to talk about a robust, you know, we want to create a robust frame. We're not just like, we're not just creating muscles like that. A lot of people get caught up in the kind of the bodybuilding and stuff like that, but we're trying to create this, this, total body that most often uses the ground how does how does this long-limbed person use the ground to create these massive forces to throw this baseball which is you know how do we do that in a golfer how do we do that in a in an ironman triathlete who has a you know a what is it a 2.4 mile swim a uh, 112 mile bike and then it runs a marathon how do we do that for all of those different people and um, how do we how do we help them appreciate the process of doing that? And because each each sport has a unique culture of how they what they think that process is. And some people are really intimidated by it. Some people embrace it fully and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, let's do more. And other people, maybe they had a bad experience in high school or at their club team they're like, I hate the gym. Don't, don't even make me go near the gym. Um, you know, or they didn't get treated well. They weren't welcome in the, in the gym setting. Um, so we have to, we have to make them appreciate that process. And then, you know, you've heard the term kind of like the minimum effective dose. So we're kind of like, we're trying, because we know the competitive seasons are so wacky and like for so many people, they're all year round. And so we try to find that, that, amount of work that that helps develop and su- sustain and support but it doesn't overwhelm the work you have to do in the bullpen or in, mm-hmm. you know you know your whatever sessions you're doing that we don't interfere with that that we're constantly just supporting that and we're providing you with tools that help you recover effectively or recharge for that next that next event that next uh, outing mm-hmm. And so it's, it's really, um, so it's those, that literacy of training, that literacy of doing things, and that can vary between, you know, whatever the needs of the athlete are and their age and where they are. And, and, and you can do it with minimal tools or you can do it with some tricked out facility. And so you, you just kind of go where you need to go. Um, but it's that the basic movement and kind of like understanding what things help a body be robust and come back day after day to be as good as it can be. And you just, you, you understand the demands of the sport. Mm-hmm. That, that's key. Like, like every sport has all these different demands. And so you got to meet those demands. Mm-hmm. Like with, so here for 
like when I'm so if I'm if I'm going through the old Iron Maven on Instagram, I don't know if it's still Iron Maven. It, yes, it is. Um, but you'll see like and I'm, when I was going through, I'll I'll see you know these these alpine athletes when they hop over a hurdle, they're landing in their I don't mm-hmm. know what it's called, but it looks like they're skiing. Yeah, there'd be like in a tuck position like, maybe. Like tuck, right. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, if somebody like me or a basketball player, if they're hopping over that hurdle, we're, you know, you're not going to land in that tuck, right. right? You're going to try and figure out, do I, you know, do I do another jump after I land that hurdle? Mm-hmm. I just make sure I absorb that force if I'm jumping a lot. Um, so, yeah. So in that capacity, you definitely, you know, see things trend towards what the sport is actually mm-hmm. asking of you. Right. And we don't, we don't often, we don't try to duplicate the sport. Right but we try to feed into those. Mm-hmm. We understand what those things are. Like, what is it when you pitch from the mound and that little explosive lungy step with the big old rotation? <laughs> what, what do we have to do to make that, make that work? Right. What do we have to do? Yep. Yeah. It is. Uh, there's a lot of different, a lot of different demands. Yeah. And that, that's, that's the fun part. It's like all these sports, like these people do these amazing things. And when you think about it from a biomechanics perspective, it's, it's, it's really cool to understand that. And that's, what's kind of cool about working with Pete is his math and kind of mechanical background. We can kind of geek out about that sometimes. Yes, it is fun. I do. enjoy. (laughs) So Neil, are you in the market for um, getting in, you know, working out via FaceTime or Instagram? I don't know, I don't know financially if I'm in the right market. So, so here's my question. Mm-hmm. Um, so you said you work with Pete and tall athletes like Lydia. Mm-hmm. So how did you start? Like, are these snowboarders and half pipers? Are they like six, five, six, six, like Pete or? No, no, no. Work- okay. No. So they're, they're, they're mini me's and they're- you're working with. So how different is that to work with athletes who are so long? Versus like explosive short, or um, we can be explosive and long, Neil. Explosive. <laughs> you can be. That's the key is to make them explosive and long at the same time. That's that's a t- that can be a tough thing. Um, the interesting thing is most of the the snowboard they're like ninjas. They're they're snow ninjas, right? And they're they're acrobats. Okay, they're not. Uh, there is a there's a racing snowboard, the snowboard cross, which is like snowboard, BMX, NASCAR kind of thing. Um, they're acrobatic people, so they're f- like and kind of like relief pitchers. They don't have to be like super cardiovascularly fit, but they need to be able to manage falling out of the sky, and they have to have this tremendous body awareness when they're upside down and they do these flips on these trampolines and they're flipping out of the half pipe and they're taking off of these great big jumps and doing multiple spins in the air and their spins are off axis. They're not just spinning in the like traditional gymnastics and diving plane. They're spinning sideways and they can be extremely young. Like our, our, we had two gold medalists in 2018 who were only 17 years old. So they had not even wanted managed to graduate from high school and one was not even a sophomore in high school. Um, so they're different because they, they're, they're high risk takers, but they tend not to, 
like like a lot of the tall people, they tended not to have a good experience with being in the weight room. That because they weren't of the traditional football, alpine ski racing is like football player. The, the same uh, kind of you know we we lift weights. Hmm. Well, well, baseball and snowboard they don't we lift weights kind of thing. So they're similar in that sense. Um, but it, so you have to kind of it takes longer for the longer limb people to really, I mean, typically we need to be more patient with them to really fulfill their, their true potential. So like one of the St. Louis kids I worked with, he, he started with me as a freshman in high school. He was six, three, 138 pounds. By the time he got to Belgium playing professional volleyball, he'd gone to Princeton. He was six eleven. Too. And he still was hardly shaving. Okay. So like, like letting this, this individual develop mm -hmm. took a long time. And he was, he's an incredible athlete, but his, but like, even his mom was like, Tracy, why isn't George dunking? But he's, he's six foot three and 138 pounds. There's not enough oomph there to, Generated. to Force at 138. He cannot, yeah. And he he was he was like this baby deer. So if they're baby deers, which a lot of the boys are, then we need patience. Like whereas like Lydia, when I first met Lydia, she's six five, her adult size as a high school junior. And taking someone in and really making them durable and robust in a jumping and landing sport as a middle hitter or right side hitter that takes one you got to really do good work with them and then they can't they can't the coaches the sport coaches can't overdo yeah. them in in their in their sport practice or competitions cuz you'll just crush them right like like I had a, a basketball dad tell me that he wanted um, his son to be fresh at the, he was you know trying to get a college scholarship, trying to be fresh at the end of an AAU tournament. <laughs> and this kid is 6'10", 230 pounds. And I'm, and I'm like, dad, there's no way your son can be fresh on game three after playing seven games in less than 72 hours and you're playing the third game on Sunday, maybe the five, seven point guard will be okay, but none of these kids are going to be fresh. And you can bet your, your son will never play more than two games in a week in college. And you know, it, the, the tall people just, they, they, they have to, you have to really measure the, the pounding and be careful with that because, you know, have like a Sam Bowie, you know who Sam? Yeah, like you'll you'll mm -hmm. feet, shins, you know backs. They just they don't they're not quite as resilient. You know they're just longer, and so you gotta gotta be a little bit more careful. They're not fragile, but you have to be measured in your the amount you expose them to, so that it doesn't overwhelm the situation. For people who don't know, Sam Bowie was the guy drafted ahead of Michael Jordan, who yeah. was not 
not a good lower half. For the kids, for the kids who were listening. For the kids. Yeah, I'm showing my age. (laughs) But yeah, to to the tall point, as personally, I don't think that I was strong enough or had enough body awareness to really start, you know, getting to the point that I think that I am today until I was probably 24. Yeah. It just, yes. From not having a good, having a strength, but not having a good enough strength base coupled with, you know, knowing uh, body awareness and an understanding of what I'm actually, how I'm actually trying to move. So, from, you know, personally, it, it, it takes a little bit longer for just taller athletes in general to figure that out. Obviously, you know, I think that it's starting at a younger and younger age than it was even when I was, you know, and coming up and through high school, et cetera. But it definitely takes a little bit longer for, you know, the taller crowd to figure out, you know, their bodies and how to move and what they're trying to accomplish. You know, obviously you have the, the, you know, the Kevin Durant's and the, the people who Mm -hmm. are able to figure that out at a much younger age. And obviously they're, they become the best basketball player in the world, et cetera. Like, you know, you have that, outlier um, capacity, but then for the rest of us, it takes a little bit longer to figure out what you're yeah. how to make it do what mm-hmm. you do. Right. Like not everybody's going to be Zion or not, you know, some, some of these individuals whose power is, is capable of supporting their, their length. Mm-hmm. Those are, those are kind of unique individuals and they're not the norm. Right. So, so, so to expect every body to be able to perform like that is, you know, that's not fair to all, to some of these other people. So you can't like force the biology. You've got to kind of work with it. And if you can be patient and see the potential, then right. yeah. But, but a lot of times we're just, we don't want to be patient with that and see the potential. Yeah. So I, it's definitely, everybody has that the capacity to figure out because I have this written in my notes. This was a funny. So Tracy sent me a screenshot of um, a picture of Isaac the other day, and he's got just perfect running form. <laughs> now, why are toddlers so much better movers than us? Right. Because they are, they squat perfectly. They hinge perfectly. They have excellent running form. Obviously they don't have the power to jump, do anything else along those lines. But in terms of just moving the body, their toddlers are way better than teenagers, adults, you know, professionals. So I, I, I don't know what you think, but I think that, you know, it's, it's all there and everybody from the time that they're born has the capacity to move and, you know, be resilient and athletic, but oftentimes like through, like when you're growing and, and it gets lost for a little bit and then you have to circle back around to like refigure out moving. Right. You well, so we have these kind of two, two aspects that go into there. One, we go into the school system and we, 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 in, in our own homes and we sit a lot, right? We don't, and if you're not in going outside and playing, like, like Isaac is getting a lot of opportunities to explore movement. Some kids don't get that. And if, you know, as he gets into school, you'll, you'll see where, you know, how many, you know, like I had PE every day of my life from first grade through, through 10th grade. Um, so, so do you have that basic true physical education? 
opportunity to to move to ca to counter all that sitting all day long and then from from the sports side there's the pressure to specialize right. so early that you don't get what we call sport sampling like like letting Isaac play whatever you know if he's going to like we we would kind of like say like well we want Isaac to do some gymnastics we want him to do maybe some martial arts because you learn that kind of like discipline and you kind of learn or and then you you learn to run like you do some track you do some field days and then you, and then of course you hand eye coordination to throw and catch all of those things start you know you want them to sample that but the the reality is like for my some of my skiers like they're beautiful on the snow but they can't skip they can't run they can't jump rope and you know and, and it's kind of funny they can't throw and catch but but they can hurl down this mountain just so gracefully and beautifully and and they're, they're they don't have any fear of it um so it just it it's those it's the ability to sample all of these different activities and that sampling actually helps support keeping that that mobility that leg strength um, it helps us grow into those bodies that, you know, we're, we're, when we're little like Isaac, our, our torso is long and our, our, our little legs are kind of short and we grow and our legs get really long and, and that makes squatting less way, easy, way, way, <laughs> way harder for us. And if we sit in chairs all the time, when we don't make ourselves squat, we start mm -hmm. to lose that. So, so, so those are the the things that we battle in terms of athletic development and strength conditioning we get kids that are so specialized in their one sport and they have only these, these kind of like their, their literacy is very limited. Mm -hmm. They've not had physical education and they've, they've been so busy. They don't, they had opportunity to play outside. You know, like mm -hmm. I think you, you will probably, you'll be a cool example to your kids because you go shoot baskets, you get on the long board you you have this general enjoyment of of movement and being outside that's not you know just limited to to baseball right so th those are all really important things yes they doing lots of athletic activities i think i i was on that the kids club with neil and they said what would you like uh, something some question about you know about just play Mm -hmm. you know, like play in itself is something that has become not marginalized, but it's like it sports just for fun isn't something that you see. Yeah. Or, you know, going out, even if it's, you know, you're, going, you're playing wiffle ball, you know, you're kicking a soccer ball around, you're shooting in the driveway. There's all, all these things that you just, I feel like you just don't see as much as you did mm -hmm. 15, 20 years ago. Right. Maybe it's the advent of, of video games. Maybe it just it, it is that, well, if I'm going to play baseball, I'm going to play basketball, I have to do it at the facility with my coaches. There's not the, yeah, let's just go throw in the, throw in the street with my dad like I, you know, like I did as a kid, which I'm sure that people do. That's not to say that it's not something that happens. People don't do it. But there's definitely part of it that's like, well, if you're going to practice, it has to be at your facility with your coaches regimented instead of just exploring what you can actually do. 
Right. And, and there's, you know, so many young people, when you, when you see someone who has lost their enjoyment of their sport. So for example, when we first moved to St. Louis, my husband coached a small neighborhood swim team. And there was an eight year old on that team who is the age group national champion in the 25 breaststroke and 50 breaststroke. Fast forward 10 years, my husband had him on his high school swim team, immensely talented. But by the time this young man was 17, he was so burnt out Mm -hmm. and so resentful. He hated coming to practice. And he, and, and my husband was like, he, he has so much ability, but it had just been just completely swum out of him, mm-hmm. his, his childhood through his childhood. And he, he was able to make it, they ended up winning the state championship his senior year, but that kid just barely, <laughs> barely hung on. And that's just, it's devastating when you see that, that, that somebody I hate my sport. I never want to do it again. And, and yeah. you, you go, Oh gosh, that's, you don't want to be the coach that is that person's last, you know, I'm never doing this again. That's right. It's not where we want to be. There was, I can't, there's, oh man, I don't know the name of the book, um, but it was about um, just generalization versus, you know, being highly specific from a young age. And the, I think it used, Tiger Woods, obviously, because his dad mm-hmm. said this guy's going to be the world's best golfer from the time he stands. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the other example for the opposite was Federer, who played mm-hmm. every sport you could think of, you mm-hmm. know, growing up and then didn't realize that uh, I think his parents were tennis players, if I remember correctly. And so they never like pushed him into it. Right. But he played everything and eventually decided that he liked tennis the best right. and wanted yeah. to you know, play that full time. And then he turned into one of the best tennis players to ever live. Mm -hmm. So there's, there is that, obviously there's examples of both, but. Yes, there are examples of both, but they're not, they're not the norm, right? They're they're So we have to, we have to kind of remember that. And so I got to see two of those examples up close. I got to be with Chloe Kim, who is kind of like Tiger Woods, Mm -hmm. her father from an early age at five, she was snowboarding, she moved to Switzerland to snowboard and mm-hmm. be school, you know, and, and like she, she followed that path. Yeah. Michaela Schifrin, same thing. Mom, you know, followed that path, but, but those are not, those are not the norm. And if you want a successful uh, sport organization, you're, you're going to have to deal with those other people that aren't those, mm-hmm. you know, prod, those prodigy individuals. Because yeah. there are a lot of people who try to go that path. And like you said, they end up breaking either physically or emotionally yeah. way, way before that time, like the Todd Marinoviches or, you know, some of these other athletes whose parents try to, you know, <laughs> groom them for this path of success. And sometimes it goes really poorly. It goes, it goes south. Speaking yeah. of geez, um so you, big Star Wars fan. As I know, we yes, yes. In Empire Strikes Back, right? <laughs> Luke goes to Dagobah, and he trains under Yoda. Yes. Um, just through that montage, do you think that Luke? Do you think his his you know his upbringing on Tatooine? Do you think that he got a good, you know, he has a good toolbox and and pretty good you know physical prepared mm-hmm. and 
a robustness, as you would say, for physical activity that led him into being the, to the physical side of being a Jedi? Do you think that he, you know, was, was able to, to become a, a prepared athlete in his time and then training under Yoda? I, I definitely think that's an aspect that has not been explored that the farm, the farm hand <laughs> with uncle Owen and aunt brew. I think that's actually, you know, an excellent point you made there about that whole, he, he is, he's, he's got had to sample all this stuff. He had to, he had to work. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a lot of examples of, of young athletes who, um, who work in that capacity and, and, and so they, they have a, a discipline and a, but a physicality that is very um, authentic, you know, and it's not, there's nothing superficial about it, but I, I think you make a great point there. Directions. I did not expect this podcast yeah. to go. Pete. I, <laughs> I thought that that would be a good, I mean, decent hand-eye coordination too. He never yes. chopped limbs off with a lightsaber. Um, yeah. Yeah. I Walker. A nice, a nice blank plate. You didn't, he didn't really, you know, even though Yoda says you, you must unlearn what you have learned. He didn't really have to unlearn a lot of physical things. No. And that, that's a hard thing to do, as you know, to to unlearn something and and relearn it. He didn't really have to do that. So Tracy, do you you quote Yoda when you're training Pete or? Well, every once in a while, I might like throw in a reminder Mm -hmm. that, that there might be. Yeah, but no, that, no super slow, out of order speak for the most part. No, no, I, <laughs> not not the really the Yoda language unless unless we're really having a having a rough day or or we need a good laugh or something like that. But but I I'm a big I'm a big Yoda fan. I I like I like the idea of a Jedi and and um you know have, having um. A mellow approach, a serious, like I'm a pretty serious person. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think the Jedi are pretty cool. So, yes. Plus, I, w- I was seven when that came out, or, and so that was like right in my wheelhouse. So, mm-hmm. yes. One of the only, one of, I've spoken to my friends at length about my disdain for the sequels. I did not. Um, Really, yeah. did not really did not like seven, eight, or nine. The one thing that I did like was Yoda talking about how failure is always your best teacher. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. one lesson that will always, you know, especially in in the athletics world, should should definitely resonate with with everybody. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all I got for you, Tracy. I know you have your own podcast. If you want to plug that real quick. Um, after Donnie followed me on Instagram a couple months ago, I now know that he is your co-host. Um, it's called what Physio and the Art of Human Performance. I yes, believe. yes. And you guys talk yeah. all sorts of interesting things. Yeah, Donnie's also he's a physio in, in Dublin, Ireland, and also an athletic development coach. And he he coaches um, camogie and hurling. Um, Neil, if you if you've not seen hurling or camogie, you need to check it out. It's kind of like right. Baseball, lacrosse, soccer, water polo, hockey, all in one. It's pretty cool. It's a like the Irish national sport. Yeah. And um you have like a stick in a ball, basically. Yes. And you can run and hit the ball and you catch it. It's it's pretty it's a a neat sport. Um, 
but so Donnie, like me, does both of those things. And so we wanted to talk about, um, and mostly it's, a, it's aims at some athletic development, strength conditioning coaches, mm-hmm. but it's all, it's a lot of it's aimed at young physical therapists and athletic trainers to help open their mind and give them uh, a resource of how do we learn this stuff that you don't get in school in athletic training or, or PT school. Uh, we don't get a lot of the concepts of strength conditioning and some people are really intimidated by it. And um, how do we make, make our spaces better? Because if the spaces in the rehab setting are, are limited, that limits what we can do, it limits our mindset. So we try to explore a lot of those areas. And, and Donnie's actually, um, he supports an, an, an 800 meter runner who she just, she will be nominated to the, to the Irish Olympic team. Um, and so that's a, that's a neat accomplishment. And um, so, so helping people support people like Peter, whether they're, you know, all over the world and whatever sport and, um, and then helping um, general people, uh, you know, embrace rehab and, and get through their rehab and do it well. Um, and, and hold everybody together in one piece. That's kind of what we like to do. And we kind of work a little bit rebellious and sense because we like, we like to break out of the, we like to say the, the shackles of the khakis and the polo shirt. There you go. I got one for you. Do you, so do you, do you, uh, since I am wearing sort of khakis and a polo shirt and, um, from, from your standpoint, in season, how much are you watching Pete? And then are you sending him little reminders? Watch, like, do you notice stuff? Or do you just back off? And if he needs some help during the year, you're helping him out? I think it varies um, from day to day, week to week. You know, I, I definitely keep tabs and ask him how he's doing. And, you know, if I know I notice something good, bad, ugly, you know, and I kind of go like, okay, how's this going? And, and certainly when I, I know that when they're traveling, there's such a wide range of facilities and availability. So we're always trying to find um, movements and things that he can use given the, the, the training facility that he has at whatever, you know, stadium they're at, whatever city they're in. So, so yeah, we're trying to kind of like, make sure that things go as smoothly as possible and, and that his, his little toolbox of, of stuff is, is, is big. That's that he, he has what he needs. And, you know, I, he's a big, big kid. So I just, I listen, I try to, I try to be a good listener and um, not impose myself, but help, help if I've, if I get a sense that he might need some help. So. And, and now I'm going to get to maybe, you know, see, I get to see a game in person. I'm like, I really want to sit by the bullpen and see this, this bullpen thing in action. Cause I like baseball. I, I grew up mm-hmm. as a Car- Cardinals fan. My husband is a baseball nut. And so I really want to understand more, a lot of these things and the culture and, you know, why Pete wears a shirt that says relief pitchers are people too. Like I want to really understand who these people are. <laughs> <laughs> and how unique they are and and see you know, yeah and when Ooh. you and when you see 
like I got to stand at the side of and watch a men's perfect men's and women's professional hundred meter hurdles mm -hmm. race, like to stand within 20 feet of that. And when you see things like that in person, so to see those guys warming up in the bullpen, like within a few feet of them and hear the sounds and hear the ball hitting, you know, like hear their foot hit the ground to really understand what it is they go through that that's, you know, that's invaluable to me to understand how to help him better that I, I have a clear, clear vision of the demands that he's, he's under. And like I was, I was asking him about the bullpen in Seattle and how awful that must be to have those fans just right up on you. How, how do you do your job? <laughs> I mean, you must really have to be a professional to like People, ignore that. It's like we're, like we're the cheetah exhibit at the zoo. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, I, I've, I've watched more baseball in the last 15 months than I have in my life. And so, um, and my husband is really excited about that. He's, he's this is awesome. You finally so, found your calling. You're working with Pete. So I'm working with Pete. Yeah. So just, I hope that's nobody's calling. <laughs> Got a back calling somewhere. And so, and then, you know, and ho hopefully we can, well, one of the things that I really want to come out of this is to help whoever, whether it's other, other older pitchers, but, but the young people to, to try and understand what it is we need to do to, to help people reach a high level, whether it's, you know, healthy college competition or healthy high school experience and, and how we do that well and that baseball players are athletes and, and we can take a more general look at how they train and, and we don't need to, we don't need to throw the life out of the arms. We need to stop doing that, but we don't, and they're not fragile arms that there's some things that we can do a lot better on both ends of that spectrum. Yep. So. As the famous Disney coach Herb Brooks once said, the legs feed the wolf. Legs feed the wolf, yes. Or as Trey to say, every day is leg day. Every day is leg day. So, Neil, if you want to join in leg day sometime with Pete, well, every day is leg day. So, any day. Any day. Any day. It's, in, it's not just one or two days. It's, in, it's any day. Yeah. As, uh, as Josh kind of Josh kind of found that out. He did find that out. It, um, it took him by a surprise for the first little bit, but he, he got there. It's a little, it was a little, it was a little different experience for him. We'll say that over the, I, uh, uh, I want to know what Diego's workouts are. Uh, I'll have to, I'll, I'll see if I can sneak in there the next time he's working out and I'll, uh, I'll see. But yeah, I am an excellent chap. Um, and we're excited, both Lydia and I are excited for you to come down. And Isaac is very excited that he will start his you know, workout, his, his physical preparation at such a young age. <laughs> yeah, we're, we'll we'll get on some of the rise and shine push-ups. We'll go. Oh yeah, we'll get him. We'll get him going on everything. He'll be yeah. He'll be a beast. He will be a very prepared. He will be. A, Yes, he'll be a prepared athlete. I want to see like the every time I see another 
picture of him and his his feet and his hands and his leg. I mean, everything just is. Yeah, it's stretching and it's stretching fast. Yeah. He's gone through, I think he started when we first came down there, came down here, he was for spring training. He was wearing like a, a four or five C and now he's on to a seven C shoe size. So he is uh, growing quickly. Does he get, yeah. ex- does he get excited to go to the, go to the field? And yeah, he loves his new favorite thing is to run around the outfields after games. If Lid comes down and says hi, or if it's a day game because night games are a little tough and he, yeah. Up, he's fallen asleep in childcare several times. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he loves running and then just diving on the ground. I he's one and a half, I don't know how to communicate with him yet. Maybe we'll figure it out once he starts stringing some more than uh, one word together. But till then, just speak like Yoda, he'll get it. I don't know, <laughs> pride hasn't worked yet. With yeah. hey, this was this was mess. This was less horsing around and more deep yeah, thoughts. This was very. Uh, this is more of a. It was more of an educational, not necessarily educational, but it was definitely more of a. Uh, a let's pick your brain about human performance in general than it was uh, anything else. But this has been one of my favorite chats so far because huh? his physical preparation is definitely one of the things that I find most interesting about sports. Yeah, so. and it, it's a it's a tough. It's, you guys have a, one of the longest, most challenging seasons, and so it's a. It is a grind. It is a very. A, thing. Yeah. Pete, you can always throw a change up on the podcast. That's I, you I, don't I, use that a whole lot in real life, but don't throw many in real life. But we'll have at least. <laughs> yes. So Tracy, thank yeah, so, you. We will see you uh, next week or this coming yeah. actually. So. Will it, Will I get to meet Neil in person? Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Am I allowed to, Pete? How does it work? I don't know. It depends on if she gets uh, pregame media field access or not. Got it. She's a she's a podcaster. Does that count? I don't know. We could we could talk to Carly and the, <laughs> you're you're on the road with her. You gotta you can that's see true. What you can do. All right. Well, thank yeah. you. It's good. You're welcome. Much more serious. Thanks. This- <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.